0: What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man Ryan Clark. You know we're always on the road, guys. So I'm in Fargo again, as I am every summer. And Ryan Clark, nobody knows where Ryan Clark is, but as I see him, I know it's somewhere beautiful. RC, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, man. Listen,
1: right now I'm in Florida. It's a little hot. Uh, my studio is kind of in a garage, not in a garage, in a studio building. And so if I start to sweat a little bit, y'all don't trip. I'm going to be okay. I wouldn't miss the light heavyweight title shot. But some people went to Daniel Cormier's basketball game, and they might, DC? You want to mm-hmm. tell us about that?
0: RC, I. it was not my basketball game. And honestly, the reality is I wasn't even going. I told you before we left, I said, I may, f- I may flake, and you were like, dude, you have to go, even though you promised you were going to go play, and you flaked. So you forced me to go, and then something happened. Before we get to that, guys, coming up on the show, we will discuss Jamal Hill's injury and what it means for the light heavyweight division. Who should fight at the Bantamweight title? For the Bantamweight title right now, knowing the what we know from last weekend in Las Vegas, and as always, we tap in or we tap out. But, RC, we have to start with the Jamal Hill situation. You alluded to it a little bit. He got hurt. I'm not saying he got hurt playing basketball, but Jamal Hill was hurt. He had to relinquish the championship uh, last week. So I'm on on a, a scooter thing at the fights last week and has already had the surgery. So recovery starts right now. What are you thinking when you hear that Jamal Hill is out and he's now no longer the UFC light heavyweight champion?
1: I think the first thing is what you feel for every athlete when they go through an injury like this. And it's different times now, right? It used to be if a fighter or if an athlete, a football player, a basketball player, tore their Achilles, you thought that their career was forever changed with technology, with the advancement in surgeries and rehab. That's not necessarily the case. But I even feel more... For a fighter, DC, a guy who has climbed the hill in the light heavyweight division and wins the championship over Glover Teixeira. He's waiting for Yuri Prochaska to recover from his surgery so they can have that big time fight in the light heavyweight division. And now he has to relinquish his title. So I was sad for Jamal and I felt for him, understanding how hard it is to be a champion in the UFC and how difficult it is to retain that championship and to just have to give it up because you're injured away from the octagon. The difficulty that has to be physically, emotionally, and mentally, I truly feel for him. But also, let's look at the light heavyweight division, a division that's had a tough time keeping a champion after having two of the most dominant champions in the weight class of all time in John Jones and you, D.C., it's a very difficult spot, and so now they're trying to figure it out as Jamal Hill is also trying to figure out the rest of his career coming off of such a terrible injury.
0: You know, when I think about this, I feel bad for Jamal in this sense, right? He was a guy that when Anceliah fought Blahovich, he was sitting at home. He gets the call that he's getting the title fight. He has to get in shape right away to go to Brazil to fight Glover Teixeira. He wins the belt. He's riding a wave that he's never felt before. This is a kid that came off the contender series. We've never had a champion come off the contender series. Jamal Hill did that, and that speaks to who he is as the athlete, but also as the man. To have to relinquish the belt in the way that he did is very unfortunate. Now, what the champ told me was that he thought he rolled his ankle playing basketball, but he said it wasn't until he went back to training. He kicked somebody, kicked him, and he checked it where it really became painful. So he believes that maybe that was the culprit, right? Getting kicked, checking the kick after kind of rolling it. But what that tells me is this division is a little bit snake bit because your looked the he had the look of a guy that could be the champion for a while, vacates. Jamal looks fantastic going in that fight against Brazil, in Brazil against Glover, vacates. What does that mean for this division? After for a decade, it was either John Jones or it was Daniel Cormier holding that belt. There have now been four champions, RC, since John Jones gave the title away after his fight against. Um, uh, uh, did what, did he fight the Dominic Reyes? It was right? Reyes, he right? Gave Do, the it away. was Dominic Reyes. Yeah, it was it was Reyes. Mm-hmm. It's been four champions, bro, since that time. Like, what is? What has happened to the division? Because before us, it was Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. It was the glamour division of the UFC. What now yep. for the light heavyweight division? I mean, when you look
1: at the UFC, the smaller weight classes are extremely exciting. You know, you could just go back to last weekend at International Fight Week, what we saw from Pantoja and Brandon Moreno, what we got to see in Alexander Volkanovski, Yair Rodriguez. You're excited about those fights. Obviously, we have Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje coming up, and that's going to be followed by Sterling, and we're going to see Sugar Sean. And so those divisions have become kind of the glamour divisions of the UFC. And so when you look at the light heavyweight division, Yuri Prochaska is going to be battling back from from injury. We have Jan Bohovitz who will be fighting Alex Pieda coming up here soon. And maybe that has to be the vacant light heavyweight title fight. And when you're a guy like Alex Pieda who is coming off of two epic battles against... Israel Adesanya, and now moving up in the weight class to fight a former champion in Jan Behovitz, who fought to a draw against Ant in his last fight, maybe this is an opportunity for both of these men to redeem themselves, both of these men to sit atop the light heavyweight division. But it truly is a division that is now in flux. And as exciting as it is to know that people have a chance we've gotten used to seeing some of these dominant champions especially in this division and so my question to you dc is does that make the division the division more exciting that we don't know who's atop of it or is it a weaker division not having a champion like
0: john jones or yourself RC, i gotta ask you this question and, and I know, like, we, we have a direction we're supposed to go on the show, but this one I have to ask you because everybody we talk to, and we're not experts in the sport of football, but we always wondered, do you guys love parody? Do you love when there are teams atop the – where you don't see Alabama every year winning – do you love seeing teams come up? Do you love seeing the teams like, who, I don't know who it was last year, South Florida somebody that was undefeated and made a run. I don't know who it was, but do you like that or do you love the traditional powers just sitting atop the world right now? Because then I can answer that question because I feel like there's a segment of people in the world that go, I want to be able to see so many people compete for a national championship, but I also want to see those blue blood programs still continue to dominate. That's kind of where we are in the light heavyweight division. So answer that. Do you like parity?
1: Well, I think the NFL has always been about parity and not necessarily that you're going to have 32 football teams that can actually win a Super Bowl, but you're going to have a mix of teams that win, which is why we haven't had a repeat champion since the New England Patriots early on in the millennium. And you're going to see that teams kind of fight, and the Kansas City Chiefs are really good. The Cincinnati Bengals are really good. Now the Philadelphia Eagles on the other side, but the Rams won it the year before. We watched them go to the Super Bowl in 2018 as well. The NFL has given us that parity, but in college you don't necessarily see that all the time because it's about recruiting. But look at the NCAA tournament now. In the NCAA tournament, we are getting a level of parity because we have the one and duns. And so now you're seeing teams like San Diego State. You're seeing teams that, like UConn, who have these seniors who have stayed. We now get to watch them excel. It's not all about the Dukes and the Kentuckys who have these one and duns that aren't necessarily ready to dominate because you got guys going to the G League and all that. But fighting is different. Fighting, we love dominant fighters. We love the fact that we had Floyd Mayweather, and then every time there was a challenger, we were excited about maybe somebody now has a chance to beat him. Roy Jones, when we watched him fall fall to Antonio Tarver, that was something we were tuned in for because you didn't necessarily believe it. They fought to a close decision in the fight before, then he knocks him out when he says, okay, what's the excuse now, Roy? What's the excuse? And so I think fighting needs... A dominant champion fighting needs that guy that you're tuning in to watch time in and time out that's why we love israel adesanya he was so dominant for Mm. so long that when alex Mm. paeda came along we got excited leon edwards and kamaru uzman right when john jones finally had a daniel cormier those things excite us and so i believe that you need a champion but you need contenders here's what we don't need dc everybody can't be a contender We can't look at one through eight and feel like one through eight has a a chance to win the championship. I don't believe people are drawn to that. And I don't believe people can form a connection
0: to that as well. And I think that's the state of the light heavyweight division. You got all those guys are true contenders. And I think you made a great point in that, that thought there when you said, We loved having Floyd Mayweather, but every time he fought, we wondered if someone could beat him. Because when someone beat him, then it's like, that's exciting. But so then you have another new champion. At light heavyweight, nobody's been able to really uh, settle the weight class. But for me personally, I don't hate it. Because I love the idea that I feel like Ant can fight Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira, Jan Boholvich, I feel like he can fight Yuri Prohoshka as I feel all the rest of them can fight the other one. And I think that we're at a time right now in light heavyweight where it's going to continue to be that because they're so competitive with each other. Now, when we look forward to what's happening next, dude, Jan Bohovich and Alex Pahena, I thought, wow, maybe you make that the title fight because that's what happened with Glover and, J- and Jamal. Those guys were not going to fight. They made a title fight. I call Mick Maynard, Mick goes, it doesn't make any sense. He goes, Yuri was supposed to fight for the belt. He was going to fight Jamal when he came back. He goes, now, will you make an interim championship fight for what? They're just still the number one contender to fight for a vacant championship when Yuri come back. So while the fight between Alex and Jan Bohovic became more important, it didn't become as important as originally thought because they're not going to leave with an actual belt. But the result will be the same. The winner of that fight will fight Yuri Prohashka when he returns for a championship opportunity. And then you hope that whoever wins that fight and becomes a champ, RC, they can hold on to the title or defend it so that when Jamal Hill comes back, he's been promised a title fight when he returns. So it's, it's a weird situation where down the line, Maybe a champion has a defense or you get a champion when those two guys fight and then that person loses again. And then Jamal fights a completely different person. It is a wide open weight class, RC. I think a lot of people might like that. Bro, it's like the Kumite.
1: I'm just waiting for Jean-Claude Van Damme to come back (laughs) and spray dukes and go there and fight, man. I mean, it's like it's a freaking free for all. But from one division in the men's light heavyweight division that doesn't have a champion to another, which is the women's bantamweight, where we see Amanda Nunes, who's the GOAT of women's mixed martial arts. She retires and leaves that entire weight class wide open. This weekend, Mara Bueno Bueno Silva gets a huge win over Holly Holm. She submits her. It's it's a, it's a smooth submission. We've watched Holly Holm, especially later on in her career, go more to grappling. She was able to keep her up against the fence. She secures the neck. She submits her standing up, and that's a huge win, especially in a division that is now in flux that we feel like Juliana Peña obviously sits on the top of, but they still have no champion. After such a win by Bueno Silva, D.C., where do you see her standing in the bantamweight division, and should she be next? up for a championship against Juliana Pena, or should the matchmakers go a different way?
0: Juliana Pena, R.C., has put herself in a really nice position that went over Amanda Nunes and then literally willing a trilogy fight into existence. She has made herself so relevant that the moment someone wins, they start screaming Juliana Pena when in Raquel Pennington, she has won multiple fights in a row, too. But when you look at Myra Boyna Silva and what she has done, you got to kind of go, she deserves it. Because she's not only winning, she is finishing fights. And when you look at the resume, and I know MMA math does not work, Ryan, and people hate that, but Holly Holm has been able to beat Raquel Pennington. Myra Boyna Silva beats Holly Holm to win four in a row and submit three women in a row. I think that she should fight for the championship. And my first question was, Juliana has put herself in a great situation. And I didn't know like, why does it have to be Juliana? But guess what, it does. Because the moment that belt got vacated, I heard Aaron Blanchfield call for Juliana Pena. When Myra Borna Silva won, who did she call for? Juliana Pena. It's almost like the division is saying, we know that if does not here, In order to become a champion, we got to beat the Venezuelan Vixen. So, Juliana's in a great spot.
1: Yeah, I feel like Juliana Pena has to be somewhere involved in a bantamweight title for the women. For this reason and this reason alone, DC, she's the name everyone knows. Right, Juliana Peña was supposed to face Amanda Nunes in that last fight but had to step away due to an injury. She's the woman that was able to defeat the goat and then take her 5 rounds in the next fight. And she's seemingly the name that finds a way to at least captivate not only some of the audience but the other fighters that are vying for that title. So to me, she has to be involved in it. But when you When you look at it, DC, is there still excitement in that division? Or how much excitement is there in that division? I think a Aaron Blanchfield moving up to fight Juliana Pena would be extremely fun. When you look at what Myra... bueno silva has been able to do in her last few outings i think that would be exciting as well but looking at this woman other than juliana pena there's no one that carries that cachet that will have an ability i think to carry this division
0: i think you you gain a lot rc when you fight the best people and you take a bit of their shine. In professional wrestling, they call it the rub, right? You, The old guys wanted to wrestle Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan. The new guys want to be in there with Roman Reigns or Cody Rhodes or Brock Lesnar. You want to wrestle with that person that carries that star quality. You want to be in there with the people that the division or the company uh, pays attention to. And I believe Juliana got that by fighting Amanda Nunes. She's a biggest star today because of Amanda Nunes and how negative and bad their rivalry ultimately became to where Juliana goes, I wanted to run in the ring and stop her from retiring when she was done. So it's like she has gotten the rub from Amanda Nunes. So that is why she has been elevated in that situation. But there are many talented women in this division. And I think Myra is doing the right thing. She's talking about I'm the face of the division. But in order to do that, you have to win and become the champion. It's going to be tough, to R.C. The one thing that we may end up finding is the same thing that we're getting at light heavyweight right now, a dominant champion leaving and leaving the division of very talented fighters but people that can really compete with each other at a very similar level. You know, some of the rumors that we are hearing
1: now that the bantamweight division has opened up, even caught my attention during a week where you know I was trying to step fly at the ESPYS, but there were rumors that Ronda Rousey may actually make a return. DC, buy or
0: sell a comeback for the superstar? Um, I'm selling. I'm selling RC. I'm selling that Ronda Rousey's coming back. I don't know that. I don't know that she needs to come back to fighting. Ronda Rousey has so many things going on in her life right now. I feel like she's going to walk away from the WWE, but because she's going to walk away from the WWE, it's starting to make people excited, right? Because if she's not in the WWE, what's she doing? I don't think Ronda needs to be doing combat sports. I don't think Ronda needs to be doing anything uh, physical right now. It's going, she has the opportunity to, uh, to do whatever she wants. Rhonda's made her own rules. I, I saw you guys, I just had to look down at my thing, Ronda, because my computer's about to die. You know, I'm trying to maneuver to get it plugged in so that the thing doesn't die in the middle of the show. But Rhonda Rousey could come back if she wanted to. But we can't, as much as I love Rhonda, and Rhonda's one of my friends, we cannot pretend that Rhonda left only because she lost to Amanda Nunes. Ronda left because she lost to Amanda, but Ronda also lost to other people. And it's not like if she came back, it would be easy for her. It would still be extremely difficult, and I don't think right now Ronda needs to do any of that. Ronda's at a place in her life where she needs to do what she wants to do, and I don't know if MMA's that thing.
1: You know what's crazy, DC, is that when Ronda Rousey ruled the division, the division wasn't as good as it became. Right when Holly Holm was able to take the belt away from her, when Amanda Nunes became the champion. But all of a sudden, when Amanda Nunes leaves, it feels like the division isn't as advanced as it was. But we have to think about where women's mixed martial arts has come in the last few years.
0: What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. And millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com DCRC all lowercase, go to shopify.com slash dcrc now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dcrc.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
1: But speaking about superstars, there were some superstars that stepped out last R-C-R-C-R-E-C. week for the SPC. Hey. I'm not just
0: talking, I'm, I'm not just talking about your boy. Yo. R-C. I know you look good, but RCRCRC, you know what's crazy, my brother? You know what's crazy, bro? You know when the Ronda Rousey rumor started? <laughs> Chelsea Chandler, bro. What? And then when Chelsea Chandler got hit, she ran away. She ran away in the octagon. Dog, Chelsea Chandler started that rumor and then got hit and it ran. Dog, why did she not put her hands up before she ran head first into the side of the octagon? She didn't even stop herself.
1: Hey, DC, first off, because she was running too heavy, you can tell that UFC fighters don't work <laughs> on their running form. And the other thing? The only thing she cared about was not getting punched again. And sometimes when you don't want to get punched again, you'll do whatever the hell you can to get away. And in truth, it actually worked because she was going to get put to sleep, D.C. If Norma Dumont would have landed a couple of more of them big haymakers, she was knocking Chelsea straight up out. So in fact, by running away, she made it to the decision and she actually made it to one of the best memes and greatest memes of 2023. I want to end this. DC, you're totally unprofessional. You cannot laugh at people during the fight, bro. Can't do it. You can't can't laugh at folks during the fight. You're supposed to be letting the
0: world know what technique that is, not laughing at folks. A, RC, I had to put my head in the back of Dominic Cruz's shoulder because Dominic said, Dominic goes, if they had a door, she was running through it. <laughs> he said if she they had a door, <laughs> she was running through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, time, it's, time for, it's time for step and fly. Somebody start stepping fly, man. Bro, I rolled over Marcy Espies with Leon
1: with his manager, he was clean, bro. It was hot as hell out there too, and my dog
0: was killing that double breasted. Hey, let me tell you something, Marcy. Leon Edwards was dressed like a champion. Dude stepped out. Hey, we're used to Kamaru Usman stepping out now, Kamaru Usman could be a bit extra. Leon Edwards has that nice double breasted classic dude look good look like a champ RC DC
1: don't do that to Uzman though don't do it to Uzman because he got beat not a man not a champion and check out my guy Alexander Volkanowski. first off I met Volk in person for the first time he's a very short man but he was clean the suit was the new oversized look it looked like this is what he used to wear when he played rugby but when you can fight like Volk I ain't gonna be the one to say that you're not stepping fly
0: R.C., I, R.C., I was about to say, Vogue look like me whenever I try to go somewhere nice. It's like you want to do something different, but you kind of get out of your lane and then you look all messed up. Vogue should have never worn that big suit, man. The, the, champ, the champ don't make many mistakes. But, bruh, hey, what about your boy Chuck Liddell? Like what he about he your boy blinders. Chuck Liddell?
1: Hey. Bro, look at the fanny pack, dog. This is when you know you don't care about what nobody says that you want all of the smoke. Chuck Liddell has on the fly suit, the three-piece, and then he has the camo fanny pack. He didn't even say I'm going to wear one that matches my suit. That's a bad man, DC.
0: Pick your head up, bro. Chuck just actually trying to start Hey, fighting. we got Justin. Chuck dressed like that to make somebody t- – Chuck dressed like that, R.C., just to try to make somebody make fun of him. Hey, look, Justin Jefferson, this is what we do in the boot. LSU, all we do is win
1: awards and step fly, D.C., you see it. And we got the chain on. We got the nice summer colors on the tuxedo. And my boy is a 99 on this year's Madden EA Sports. It's in the game.
0: Respect us, D.C. And R.C., You boy. Hey, your boy looking good. Your boy looking good. Your boy look like he might be a part of that fraternity you in, noop, or whatever you like to say. Because he look, hey, that boy dressed, man. That boy dressed, RC. Hey, Deion Dawkins, he didn't even wear no shirt. He got on a tattooed shirt.
1: And I was right behind him on the red carpet. Here's what people don't understand. It was hot as hell out there. My dog sweated through that whole suit. And so did the tattoo shirt work? Absolutely. He was clean. But he probably wanted to have a little barrier between that skin and that coat because that heat tore the big man up.
0: Let me tell you something, RC. I love when a fat dude just got a lot of confidence and this boy got some confidence. But RC, RC, let me get this next one started. Let me start the next one. Somebody load up my ball, RC. Because when my boy, oh, when my boy, when my boy shows up to an event, look at him with the pink, my guy shows out. (laughs) Hey, DC. Listen, I had to represent the whole podcast.
1: I had to make sure everybody knew that when you come from the boot, you step fly. And hell, I don't know if they're ever going to invite me back to the ESPYS. So all I had one shot. I felt like Eminem. Eminem, you only get one shot. You can't miss your chance to blow. Opportunity only comes once in a lifetime.
0: (laughs) RC, I RC, I swear on everything. I hadn't seen you wear one of them shirts for a while. I was like, man, R.C., what happened to the, them little shirts with the cows? I was like, was that last year's look? Are we not doing that anymore? And then you pull up to the Espies with the pink one that is just next level. Hey, Espies look like a phenomenal event. R.C., John Jones won the ESPY for fight of the year. If you had to guess right now, right, it would go to next July. From July to July, who would you predict would be the fight of the year for next year? I think,
1: I think we have to see what happens in the second half of the year. I think if Justin Gaethje wins an absolute war with Dustin Poirier, he could be up up for that that title after what we saw with Rafael Fiziev in, in London. You know, I don't know if there's another woman that could win it unless Alexa Grosso finds a way to beat Shevchenko or Zhang Wei Lei has a huge fight um, in China. And on the men's side... I mean, doesn't it depend on what Israel Adesanya does against Drakis Duplessis? Like Duplessis, if he wins that fight after getting his title back, beating Alex Pineda, and now fighting Drakis Duplessis and winning, I think Israel Adesanya would be that guy that could be up for the uh, the next title of fighter of the year.
0: R.C., I'll tell you, man, you know, right now, if I had to look, we are thinking... In terms of this calendar year, it quit at July to next calendar year. I got to think that Islam Islamahachev is going to be in the running. Because right now, I just saw him tweet something to Leon Edwards. Hey, Abu Dhabi, you versus me, 170-pound belt. If that becomes true, or if it doesn't even happen now, RC, say he fights in Abu Dhabi and defends, and then maybe he can get that fight down the line, why would Islam Mahachev not be the fighter of the year for 2024? Now, R.C., when we talk about the future, we always try to look forward. The end of the year is shaping up to be
3: fantastic. Corporate Jake, let's take a look forward, my guy. All right, guys. So ESPN.com looks ahead to the rest of 2023 with some questions, so we'll do the same. First, we're going to start. UFC 295, Jon Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Daniel, zero, one, or 2, how many fighters retire after UFC 295?
0: Ooh, ooh,
3: that's a that's a good
0: question. I'm gonna say one, only because of this. I know John Jones said that Stipe may be his last fight, but I don't know if I believe that just yet. The money's too good. He's still too young, but I do believe that if Stipe, I do believe Stipe loses, he's done. John Jones loses. He might be done. That's the only way Jones will retire. So I'm saying one. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say one. As, I'm gonna say one as well. And I think it is
1: Stipe if he loses. Um, and it's the it's the loser of the fight. In, when you think of John Jones, but here's the only thing: if John Jones loses to Stipe Miocic, Stipe is going to come back and defend the title. A rematch between those two men, especially if it's a good, exciting fight, would be absolutely blockbuster. And we have never seen John Jones in that position. And I couldn't imagine him turning down that opportunity to show people what he's
3: truly made of. All right, guys. Real or not, if Alexa Grasso defeats Valentina Shevchenko again, she'll be the best pound for pound women's fighter in the UFC. RC, you can take it.
1: Not. I don't think that's it. I think you know you have to look at someone like Zhang, uh, Zhang Wei Lei, Wei Li, and what she's been able to do, the things that she's been able to build, the type of fights. We've seen her in up until this point. She's an absolute warrior. And don't get me wrong. I understand when you beat one of the greatest of all time and Valentina Shevchenko, it immediately thrusts your name into those type of conversations. But I just believe that Zhang Wei Li is tops of the top when we talk about the women's division right now.
0: You know... I agree with Ryan to a point because, bro, I saw Zhang Wei Li the other day at the UFC Apex. I'm starstruck. She just looked like she can fight. She looked strong. She looked intense. She shook my hand. I was like, boy, that Zhang Wei Li is something different. But, RC, last year when we were done, I said the Women's Fighter of the Year is Valentina Shevchenko, and we could give that to her every year because she is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world in female fighting. If Alexa beats her twice... And beats her in the way that she did, then I believe that it does make her number one pound for pound because Wei Lee does not have the opposition to show and prove that she's number one. She still has not beat Rose Namajunas. If Rose Namajunas goes down the fighter again, there is a clear challenge to her spot atop the pound for pound rankings and to her crown.
3: So. I say it's real. Corporate Jake. All right, DC, we'll start with you since this is your guy. Who will Islam Mahachev fight next, and who should he actually fight next?
0: <sighs> I think Islam Mahachev will next fight against someone that is not even necessarily on, on our radar. I just don't believe it's supposed to be the winner of Gaethje versus Poirier. But I do not believe that those guys will come out of that fight clean and be healthy enough to to put a title fight um, right that soon. I also know that Charles Oliveira has already told the UFC he's not fighting in October. So it will not be Oliveira. We're going to have to go down the lightweight rankings and find some other guy, and people are going to be very disappointed. It'll be the number four, five, or six-ranked guy that's going to get a title shot because there just will be no one else. I don't believe that uh, Justin Gaethje and those guys will be okay. I mean, and I'm looking at the top six, and... Chandler can't get a title fight. Gaethje Poirier going to be hurt. Oliveira said he's not fighting. And Benil Darius just lost. Michael Chandler is supposed to fight Conor McGregor. So, I mean, I don't know he's going to fight. But someone's about to get a blessing, RC, because there will be no one else. He will not fight Leon Edwards, though. I don't think the UFC is going to allow him to be in two title fights, super fights, without having to defend the championship one time yet.
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe um, he'll fight Leon Edwards either. And we have also know that Alexander Volkanovski just had surgery on his hand. And if Bronx is not going to fight him, I have zero idea who Islam Makhachev fights. And it's kind of <laughs> sad, don't you think, DC? Like he finally rises to the point where you expected him to al- always be. And there's just nobody there. And... When you look at that division, which is a very exciting division, we watched him, I guess we could say, defend the title in a super fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. But even with that, now looking at what we could see happening in Abu Dhabi, Gaethje and Poirier, there's no way after the way those two men fight after that fight, that they'll be prepared to fight in Abu Dhabi. I think it's going to be somebody down that list, and I don't expect it to be Michael Chandler. So expect the rest of the fans and us here on DC and RC to be slightly disappointed.
3: All right, guys, one last one as we look ahead. Bunch of fights are already booked for the rest of the year. So, DC, which fight are you looking forward to the most for the rest of 2023?
0: You know you know what's one that I'm really looking forward to, and I know this might be, like, a little different, I'm, I'm looking forward to O'Malley versus Al Jermaine Sterling because I learned oh. a lot about Sean O'Malley in that Piotr Jan fight. I learned that he can compete at the highest level, but can Sean O'Malley compete against a guy in Al Jermaine Sterling that has proven to be so, so difficult for the rest of the Bantamweight division? And not only for those reasons am I excited— I'm excited about Aljamain Sterling being on the biggest platform of his life and on of his career. And I'm excited for Aljamain Sterling to have the opportunity to fight a big-name guy and possibly earn the respect that he so justly deserves from the fans. So I think a lot of questions will be answered in Boston. Is O'Malley that next big-time star? We know he has star ability but he has to become the champion. And can Al Jermaine Sterling take that shine and turn that into a career that should be respected that sometimes gets overlooked? You
1: know, I don't necessarily remember if this fight has been made yet, but I expect it to be. Leon Edwards and Kobe Covington. That's a fight that I'm excited Ooh, yeah. to see. I believe that's the natural I believe that's the natural progression of the welterweight class that that should be the fight we see next. And we know that Kobe Covington brings it every single time he steps into the octagon. He's been away since fighting Jorge Masvidal and some of those injuries he suffered away from the octagon. Leon Edwards stepped up and showed us that when you get that strap, you do become 30% better in the way that he dominated Kamaro Usman in London. And I'm expecting to see a better Leon, but also a game Kobe Covington, who I actually met in the Vidara over international fight week. I think that would be an explosive end-to-end fight where both men show some of the best that they have to offer.
0: RC, I saw Kobe there too. He was actually playing in the World Series of Poker, didn't go to the fights. RC, let me ask you a question though. What did you think about Kobe Covington? I knew you had some strong opinions on him prior to meeting him. What did you think about him? You know, what? I thought he was cool. I mean, I'm smart enough to
1: know not to have certain conversations with certain people. And it's just like social media, bro. I'm not following you if I don't want to hear or see What you have to say or what you have to present and it's the same thing i'm not going to go up and shake kobe covington's hands hand introduce myself to him as a ufc fan and also someone that works in ufc and talk about stupid things you know i was actually it was a pleasure to meet him i thought he was extremely kind he was cool you know everybody doesn't always like people walking up on him and he was chill i think it's one of those things dc that kobe covington realized in order to get some of the recognition that he wanted, and sort of in order to get some of the fanfare that he wanted, he had to become a caricature of himself because he'd always been a good fighter. None of those things came across in our slight yep. or quick interaction, and it was truly a pleasure to meet Dude.
0: Especially whenever you're not, like, the most fan-friendly fighting style, right? He's a wrestler. So when he does so much wrestling, yep. he had to really make people pay attention, and that's exactly what he did. Corporate Jake,
3: let's tap in and tap out. All right, guys. UFC London this weekend is headlined by top heavyweights Tom Aspinall and Marcin Tybura. We know Jones vs. Stipe will take place in November at UFC 299, 295. So, DC, tap in or tap out. This weekend's winner is next for top contender Sergei Pavlovich.
0: Oh, I was about to say, man, do not say this dude's the next title contender because Sergey got to be close to a title <laughs> fight. I think Sergey Pavlovich should actually just be standing there waiting in case somebody doesn't make the Jones-Miochich fight. But, yes, if, if that fight goes off without a hitch, Jones-Miochich, then Pavlovich or Tom Aspinall, that's a great fight. But if I'm, I'm, if I'm Pavlovich, bro, I'm not fighting nobody. I'm like, yo, I'm waiting for my title fight.
1: Yeah, if I'm Sergey Pavlovich, I'm still sitting at the slot machine in Vegas like be- like he was before he fought uh Curtis Blades. We are not tripping. But when you look at Tom Aspinall, let's think about where he was before that horrific knee injury, he was a guy that was building with 12 finishes that we expected to get a title shot extremely soon. I believe if he's able to dominate or win in the fashion that he has been winning over Tiberia, that he'll get an opportunity to fight a Sergei Pavlovich or at least be in contention for a number one contender fight after we watch John Jones, Stepe Miocic.
3: Bo Nickel, undefeated so far in his career, has stated that he is interested in fighting Hamzat Shemaev down the line. RC, tap in or tap out on a future Bo versus Hamzat fight.
1: I tap in right now. Who in the hell is Hamzat fighting? He ain't fighting nobody. So why not put these dudes in and let's just have this epic Wrestling battle. And we have to remember, Hamzat was kind of a guy that was fast tracked, right? We watched him win those three fights during COVID. Then he got his opportunity against a Gilbert Burns to prove himself. Okay, Bo Nickel, we watched you punch on Valentine. If you punch on Valentine, go get your shot against Hamzat Chamayev. I think it would be something that everybody would be excited about, and Bo Nickel would truly get his opportunity to prove that he belongs
0: in the octagon against the elite. I tap out, man. I tap out because Bo Nickel is beating on guys like he's RC. He's beating on guys, honestly, that are still contender level guys. Like he's not ready for the Hamza Chumayevs sure. of the world and he needs time. So he needs a long time because he has dealt with zero adversity inside the octagon. Hamza Chumayev is a rare breed. Very rarely does anyone fight a Gilbert Burns and fight number four. I mean, it took out Beep seven fights to fight a super high level guy. And look at what he became. So it takes time. Do not rush Bo Nickel. And I love Bo, but Bo Nickel is not ready for Bo! that level of fight yet. You can't do that Bo! based on Val- you can't do that based on Valentine Woodbine, bro.
3: <laughs>
1: Man, he has a great,
3: a great R and B singer name. Michael Bisping recently interviewed former foe GSP on his podcast. GSP offered Bisping the opportunity to come out of retirement for a grappling event and also offered to train Bisping. DC, tap in or tap out on GSP and Bisping going from foes to training partners.
0: Wait, bro, wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to understand what you just said to me. GSP offered to grapple with him after training him to grapple with him? No, 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 no. George St. Pierre kind of being—
3: No, GSP—
0: George St. Pierre is being a bit of an asshole, bro. I'm sorry, dog. If George J. P. Pierre <laughs> is trying to alpha Michael Bisbee, he's trying to alpha my boy, dog. He's going to train him to go grapple with him? Hell nah, I tap DC, No. GSP is not alpha him. <laughs> no. He
1: offered to train him and have them both grapple at the same event, DC, not train him and oh, grapple against him oh. as some sort of <laughs> <laughs> setup to submit him. Like, Bro. <laughs>
0: like stop RC. only RC, you would do some a-hole RC, and stuff like that RC, RC would that be the most alpha move of all time though like yo bro I like you man Come, you can be my opponent in my return to grappling when I already submitted you one time in an actual fight but I'm going to train you for the grappling event bro, Cor- I, Corporate Jake set me up he read that wrong dog Corporate Jake read that wrong bro <laughs> alright
3: guys last one DC and Fabiana will put in quite the predicament Saturday during a post-fight interview (laughs) as Eileen Perez twerked following her win. RC, tap in or tap out on DC keeping his eyes on the prize and finishing the interview.
1: Listen, I tap in on D.C., D.C., you know how you got to do it, man. When it's going on around you, you look straightforward, you do your job. It's the same way. I always say this when I'm walking with my wife. If I see a a beautiful lady, so does my wife. So as she's walking and the lady's walking toward us, I just look in Yonka's face. And that way, she know I ain't looking the wrong way. Mm -hmm. D.C., I am proud of you. You are a learned man of marriage, and you did a great job, bro. I tap all the way in. Hey, she was twerking. It was Freaking Meg the Stallion out there, bro. Oh. Meg the Stallion.
0: RC. RC, I said, I said, man, come on, man. I said, come on, man. I'm from Louisiana. I said, man, what, what are we doing here, bro? Hey, you know what's the worst? Fabiano, he's supposed to be in there translating. He starts speaking English. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, he was messed up too, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, the best. Hey, bro.
1: Bro. The best. bro, when they get to the twerking, dog, ain't nothing you can do. Especially if you, hey, we from the boot. We used to that. We grew up with that. Bro, he probably ain't grow up in that sort of environment. (laughs) Hey, hey, she turned the dang Apex into the Spiritman Rhino. Dang, she know what the hell to do, bro. (laughs) Like, he didn't know. Hey, hey guys, I'm RC, man. That's DC. Clearly, we better learn how to speak another language because when around twerkers, translators don't translate. But you can catch us every tuesday wherever you get your podcast and at 12 a.m at midnight on espn2 i don't even know how much time we have left i know it's pretty close i know it's almost over dc can't talk (laughs) he has a lag bad wi-fi please continue to support us we promise we'll get back on track next week dc say goodbye